Welcome to episode 12 of the 412 Double Play Podcast. Today is July 17th. I am your host, Michael Castrano. Joining me, as always, co-host Ed Wassel. Ed, how are you doing late night tonight? Getting this recorded with the draft and everything. Uh, heading into the All-Star break. Uh, what's going on with you? Uh, doing good. It's a long night. Yeah, we've been staying up late. <laughs> texting back and forth about this uh, draft. Um, lots of interesting stuff going on. Guys getting picked a lot sooner than we would have expected. Some guys falling a bit. Still some interesting names on the board going into round three. Um, we'll get into that, but first let's look at the roster roundup for this past week. On July 11th, starting off a week, Brian Reynolds was placed on a 10-day injured list, right oblique strain. Jake Marisnik activated from the 60-day IL, and Cam View was DFA'd to clear a spot on the 40-man. Additionally, Austin Bryce, who was designated on the 8th, cleared waivers, and he was sent outright to Indy. Um, on the 12th, Dylan Peters, left-handed pitcher, was activated. Uh, fellow Southpaw Eric Stout optioned to Indy. Greg Allen had his rehab assignment moved from Bradenton to Indy. And then on the 14th, Aaron Fletcher was claimed off waivers by the Giants. He was previously DFA'd, uh, I believe, the week before. Mew cleared waivers. He was sent to Indy. 15th, we got back Tyler Heineman, catcher. He was reactivated. Outfielder Cal Mitchell was called up from Indianapolis. Michael Perez and Jack Sawinski were both subsequently optioned down to Indy. And then today, before the game, relief pitcher Chase DeYoung, who's actually been doing pretty good in the bullpen this season, was placed on the 15-day injured list with left knee tendinitis. Bryce Wilson was once again called up from Indy to make the start. So I had lots of moves going into the All-Star break. Uh, Hopefully not anything too concerning with Reynolds. He came up a little bit limp last week um, on Sunday. The last game against the Brewers was taken out early. But uh, oblique strains can be lingering issues. What are your thoughts on on that? Uh, What you said, hopefully not in the long term. Uh, Hopefully it was more of a... uh preventative measure pulling them out early and giving them a couple days rest <clears throat> after Reynolds I'd say my favorite move was probably optioning Perez and keeping delay yeah delay's been really good I mean his defense has always been something that's been touted a uh, friend of Reynolds was in Reynolds wedding I believe they both went to Vandy together and uh but the offense has been showing up uh he's been showing the ability to get down bunts which is a weird thing that's kind of been happening there but um yeah he's 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 been really good there's been a couple times where he's thrown out batters with just these perfect throws framing's been coming along i feel like he and heineman are very similar they're both the backup type catchers who have a little bit of bat, enough to kind of keep them in that role. Perez, outside of that three home run game, hasn't really done much this season. I hope that it's a good move to have Sawinski go down to Indianapolis, try to get his bat right against a little bit lesser competition. In the one game so far, he went over four with two strikeouts. So, you know, small sample size, but he, he's he's got to get back on track or something. Um, 
But looking at the weekly recap, uh, lots of hit and misses this week. Mitch Keller went seven innings in game one against the Marlins, allowing just one run on five hits, five strikeouts, no walks. Pirates won five to one over Miami. Marisnik, just off the injured list, went two for three with a double and a home run. Kevin Newman went three for five with a double. Then we went bullpen game for the second round in Miami as Chris Stratton, Dylan Peters, Tyler Beatty, Will Crow, David Bednar all pitched, allowing just two runs on, uh, excuse me, five hits with seven strikeouts, no walks, as the Bucks won three to two. Game three didn't go quite as well. JT Brubaker was shoving, went seven shutout innings, allowing three hits, two walks, and strikeout nine, but the offense wasn't showing up much, and the bullpen self-destructed, dropping game, uh, dr- dropping the game five to four in ten innings. Bats continued to snooze early as Zach Thompson went 6.2 innings, allowing just one run, four hits, three walks, two strikeouts. Bucks eventually lost 3-2 in 11 innings. So split in the Marlins series. Unfortunately, it felt like it could have gone a lot better than that. It should have been able to sweep that series. But heading to Colorado didn't improve as the Bats were once again slumping. Pirates only scored two runs on Friday night. Quintana had a rough outing, allowing six runs, seven hits, five innings. Peters pitched two innings, also allowing six runs as the Bucks lost 13-2. Keller yesterday continued to show solid stuff, holding the Rockies to just one unearned run with five hits, two walks, and six strikeouts in six innings. But Pirates were shut out, losing 2-0. to zero. And then today, Wilson had a decent start, though, was pulled after just 3.1 innings, allowing two runs, striking out three. Give him a bullpen game after that. But Benuelos... Beattie, Underwood, Crow, and Bednar managed to hold the Rockies to only one run in the remaining 5.2 innings. Pirates won the final game of the half, 8-3, to behind a three-hit game from each Newman and Michael Chavis. So, <laughs> uh, with Miami, only got one of three. Colorado, it's a little bit tough having to play at Coors Field. I was reading after the game yesterday, Keller... Um, his sinker, like most of his, he was mostly throwing sinkers, but the scoreboard was reading it as fastballs because it wasn't moving as much. So it was like mid nineties fastballs, whereas he's usually much higher with that. And um, that's kind of the cores effect, but Quintana wasn't really able to get into a groove and, and blew up. I mean, managed to get through five innings, but um uh, I didn't get to see any of the games this weekend. Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> I, I guess it's maybe for the best, but I'm I'm really curious what happened with Wilson today. Why? Because he was only at about 48 pitches, and I don't know if he was struggling or if he was hurt or what was going on, but just like he's he's been pretty good. He's been like the past couple spot starts. He's been solid. He's been he's like six and zero in Indianapolis this season with a two point something ERA, so just weird that could have been something with the uh, with the altitude affecting him. So I, I know they say it's a lot harder to uh, to breathe in those types of games. Yeah, well, the altitude overall is just really tough. I mean, you know, I've, I've spent time in Colorado and was there for two months. My knees were killing me because the altitude just really puts so much pressure on the joints um, for some reason. Not sure exactly what was going on with that. But, yeah, it's possible. Chavis, or excuse me, Wilson coming in late. I'm assuming there was something planned there. Maybe it's a 
an air quotes around that IL stint for Chase the Young because he had just pitched. I think he just pitched yesterday, but um, the fact that Wilson was able to get there quick enough to make the start going from uh, Columbus where Indianapolis was, but maybe he was on the taxi squad. So, but overall, I mean, still pretty good. Like allowing two runs and 3.1 innings in a spot start. It's fine. He didn't let it get out of hand. But it's good yeah, that the bullpen kept, was able to... He kept them in the game. Yeah. I mean, overall, rough series. Um, I feel like we should have done better. Hopefully, we will yeah. do better. <laughs> I pretty, think that we pretty upset. Pretty upset that the bats didn't come alive in Colorado. Yeah. I mean, interesting that Newman, of all people, had a couple solid games this week. He's not my Stargell star, but I'll get to that later. Uh, so let's pause on that and let's look down on the farm. Indianapolis Indians at Columbus Clippers this week. Indians lost 4-5 or five to the Clippers with today's game getting postponed due to rain. Greg Allen rehabbing down in Indy pushed a 1.286 OPS over four games last week, while Hoy Park, of all people, slashed 385, 429, 769 line, two doubles, home run. Fly Madras also had a strong week, batting 353 over five games. Bryce Wilson... As we mentioned earlier, continued his dominant tear in Indy before his call-up. Five innings, four hits, one run, one walk, and five strikeouts. Indianapolis is now 41-46 and 46 on the season. Altoona hosting the Richmond Flying Squirrels. Altoona took four of six from Richmond. Aaron Shackelford, Fabricio Macias, and Matt Frazier led the offense with a combined 13 extra base hits and 15 RBI between them. Quinn Priester pitched 5.1 innings of shutout ball, allowing two hits, two walks with three strikeouts. The curve are now 45 and 42 so far this year. Greensboro at Brooklyn Cyclones. The Grasshoppers dropped four, six to the Cyclones. They're a very good team. Uh, Francisco Acuna and Abraham Gutierrez each had home runs this week as Andy Rodriguez continues to excel with a 294, 400, 529 slash line. On the pitching side, Jared Jones had another great start. Six innings, two hits, one run, only two walks with eight strikeouts. Nick Garcia also had a uh, strong week with 12 strikeouts over six innings pitch. Greensboro, however, falls to a 36-49 and record. And finally, Bradenton hosting Jupiter Hammerhead. Bradenton won four of six games this week as multiple postponements led to a messy schedule and a final day with a doubleheader today. One. One. (laughs) Jarez. One Jarez. I wrote it and then I didn't actually look to see how it's pronounced. Juan I'm assuming Jerez. It's Jerez. I'm, I'm assuming Jerez. Juan J had a 1.037 OPS over five games, and Jace Bowen had three extra base hits, including a home run and a triple, to pace a 1.017 OPS over 23 plate appearances. Great pitching across the board. Valentin Linares went four and two-thirds innings, allowing one run on six hits, three walks, six strikeouts. Po Yu Chen, six scoreless innings, five hits, a walk, and five strikeouts. Carlos Jimenez, five shutout innings, three hits, three walks, five strikeouts. Additionally, while Bubba Chandler didn't have the best start, I believe Thursday he pitched uh, 2.2 innings. He gave up four runs. His fellow 2021 draftee, Anthony Salamito, pitched four perfect innings of relief, notching six strikeouts without allowing a batter to reach base. Bubba Chandler did have a sack fly today to walk it off for the Marauders for one of their wins. The Marauders are now an even 43 and 43 in the standings 
on the season. So Bradenton's been surging lately, and they've got like a weird amount of talent, like unknown talent, because I didn't even talk about uh, Nolasco, Rodolfo Nolasco. He's down there. Like they've been, they just finished up a 10-game winning streak last week that was broken, I think, on Thursday or Friday with Chandler's start. Ed? Hello? Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, no, what happened? <laughs> yeah, they, Bradenton's really starting to come around. It's nice to see. Yeah. I mean, across the board, it's nice to see that these teams aren't completely fought. Like Greensboro, 36 and 49. Okay, they're probably not going to be in the playoff hunt, but Bradenton's getting back into it. You know, Altoona's got a shot at making a run. We've got a ton of great prospects there. So, interesting to see. Indianapolis, they're, they're keeping it close-ish, but... Um, it's nice to see some of the uh, some of our top 30 prospects that we chose coming together and having some good outings. Yeah, Po Yu Chen, Carlos Jimenez, uh, Salamito, and Chandler, not as much, but... Yeah, there's 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 been some guys making moves and having solid solid seasons overall. So uh, speaking of guys that we picked, jumping into our special, which is recapping the picks from tonight. This is the night that we've been waiting for. MLB draft just wrapped up rounds one and two with comp A and B rounds as well. Pirates had picks at four, thirty-six, and forty-four for day one. We'll be covering the rest of the draft picks next week. But right now, let's jump into these first three guys. So I'll start with the fourth overall pick, Pirates selected Tamar Johnson. We have talked about him at length before. He was talking about it as one of, if not the best, uh, prep players in the draft, best pure hitter in the class. His hitting ability is his biggest aspect, as he has a 70 hit grade and a 60 power grade, both well above average on the 2080 scale. He's picked as a shortstop, likely moves to second, should be able to hold his own there. Scouts and analysts were over the moon on his hit tools, plate discipline, and hand-eye coordination. He's on the smaller side, listed at 5'10", 175, but he has a quick, compact swing, surprising power. Interview after he's picked, he's showing some emotions. But when asked what he would say to Pirate fans at home, he responded, you're getting the best player in the draft. I love the confidence, love the talent, psyched to see him develop. Really great pick. Ed, what are your thoughts on that? There were... A couple of options that we had at that point. Uh, Jackson Holiday went one to the Orioles. Drew Jones went two. We kind of figured those guys would be one and two. Uh, had a surprise at three, but we'll talk about that later. Um, but Johnson was ranked fourth overall. I think he's maybe third or fourth in uh, fan graphs. Thoughts on the pick? Yeah, I, I almost want to say he was he was almost a steal at number four. <laughs> he could have he easily gone number one. Yeah. Uh, well, we were texting. I, I've seen some there, some scouts have his hit grade at eighty. Yeah. So. He's uh, he's just got such a good swing. And I was reading that um, from the age of three, he was taking thirty swings a day. He's got a couple older brothers, and they would be pitching to him and pitching him like junk, and he'd still be hitting it. And he was moving up to like a hundred swings a day at age eight, and so like. He just is methodical working on his swing, and he's a, he's a real student of the game. And, uh, I mean, what I've read about his bat is it, it could, it's just going to be able to play. 
no matter what position he's at defensively. He's just got such a smooth, sweet left-handed swing. And what, what were his comps? His, his bat the ball was comp to Vlad, Vlad Guerrero Sr.? Vlad Guerrero Sr. and his play discipline to Wade Boggs, I think. I'd have to go back and look at the previous notes on it, but I think it's something like that. Yeah, I think that's right. That's two awesome comps to have. Yeah. Definitely really cool. So the uh, pick value is $7 million. I think he signs for under that. I was thinking closer to $5 million, but it's probably going to be like five and a half. Something like that. Um, he does have a commitment to um, – what school was he committed to? That's a good question. <laughs> uh, wasn't Louisville. I guess I should have kept up last week's script. We'll be able to look to that. But I, I can't imagine that they won't be able to come to terms with him on this to be able to lure him away from that. Yeah, he's, I, he's, I, I don't see him not signing. Yeah, he's going to want to play. So, uh, after that, eighty. Uh, excuse me, at 36, still a ton of prospects on the board at that point. Obviously, still pretty early. That was our compensation A pick. Thought they would go with one of the Prep pitchers here. Part selected Thomas Harrington, right-handed pitcher out of Campbell University. I've got Harrington listed at 6'2", 185 pounds, 21 years old. He had a 2.53 ERA in 92 and two-thirds innings this spring. 111 strikeouts, only 11 walks. So good control. He's got a good mix of pitches. Fastball, changeup, slider, curve. All grade at average or above with excellent control. the grading, I, I have seen mixed. Some places are saying that his changeup isn't as good. Some are saying his curve's not as good. But it, it seems like they played well at Campbell University. Um, it seems like a, a top baseball university that I had never heard of until tonight. <laughs> he has a high floor. Potential to be a number three rotation guy. Should be signable, possibly under slot. Likely would be able to move up quickly in the system. Help our pitching depth. Uh Ed, any thoughts, anything else that you wanted to add on Harrington? Uh, I think they they essentially took him because college arm, I think they plan on contending sooner than later, which is why they passed up on a high school arm at that point. I think it's a good sign. Good sign for the future. It's yeah, it does seem like that's what they're leaning towards. Possible he goes, you know, right to Bradenton after he signs, try to get some experience there, and then you know we could see him in Altoona by end of next season, depending on how he progresses. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Here's, uh, here's something. Here's he's something got a high floor. Go ahead. going to say high floor but I don't feel like his ceiling's as high as someone else we could have gotten but what do you have on him? I was going to say a, a cool little stat is he's a walk-on and won the Big South freshman of the year. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like I said, Campbell University apparently a really good program really good baseball program it's not like the florida or the louisville or vanderbilt 
but they face good competition. Uh, Jacob Barry was picked sixth out of Campbell overall this year. Harrington was the next one picked at 36. So the scouts must be going and looking at that and valuing the talent that Campbell's producing. Barry was at LSU, wasn't he? Barry may have been out of LSU. Who was the guy who was out of uh, Campbell? Oh, no, it was uh, Zach Neto who went 13th. See how well I read my own notes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then at 44, we had our second round pick, and it was another college pitcher. Pirates selected left handed pitcher Hunter Barco from University of Florida. So Barco was highly rated out of high school a few years ago. Would have been a potential first round pick if not for Tommy John surgery, cutting his spring short. He pitched 50.1 innings, 2.5 ERA, rates highly for control as well. Solid grades on fastball, slider, and changeup. He's going to be sidelined for a while as he continues recovering from surgery. Ed, do you have anything else to add on Barco? Uh, I, I was reading he also has a splitter that's compared to Aroldis Chapman's. Yeah, and I did you? I didn't realize that Chapman threw a splitter because I thought he was just fastball, slider, like fist. You know, when he's got to punch someone. Yeah, he's fastball, slider, splitter, and a sinker. But the splitter and sinker, he doesn't throw that often. Dang. Okay. All right, so what so, else do you have on Barco? On Barco, he has a, a low-slot crossbody delivery. Which is that interesting. May have to change a little bit if they're worried about uh, the injury. That I don't know if that's what, what put the extra stress on his elbow or not. I don't know. It's <laughs> I, it. It will be funny to see him and Salamito in a rotation together. Although I guess they're probably you know Salamito's already in Bradenton. Barco might get to Bradenton next year, but they have completely uh, opposite gonna, slots. He's not going to pitch until next summer, so he's probably going to be. He'll be a little slow yeah. getting up. Yeah, it's about twelve to eighteen months with recovery from Tommy John. So if he had it in the spring. Maybe next summer, at some point he'll be up. Not up, but you know, pitching in real games. Yeah. All right. So, I, <laughs> I really thought that we were going to take prep pictures, pitchers at some point. Uh, Jackson Ferris, left-handed pitcher out of IMG, was available. Jacob Miller. Uh, Ohio Gatorade Player of the Year was available. They went 30, uh, excuse me, they went 46 and 47. So right after we took Barco. But if you're right in that he's, uh, BC is targeting these college pitchers because he's looking for us to be competing soon, who do you see them taking tomorrow with their third round pick? Last year, Bubba Chandler was that first pick. They've got the 83rd overall pick. <laughs> behind the Orioles and Diamondbacks. I don't know where the Rangers went, but they're not there. So we've got third pick starting tomorrow. Ton of big names still on the board. Brock Porter, 11th overall. He's a prep pitcher out of St. Mary's. Commitment to Clemson. Tristan Smith, left-handed pitcher um, compared to Orioles prospect D.L. Hall, who's a top 10 prospect right now. Also committed to Clemson. Uh, any thoughts on whom 
the Pirates might target next? I really don't know. <laughs> I mean, now now that they got the two college pitchers out of the way, even though one of them, only one of them is going to be be able to pitch for the majority of next year, they yeah. might go with the, they might go with the prep guy now. Well, here's the thing. So I'm thinking Johnson signs under slot, seven million. He probably signs for under that. Barco has to sign for under slot. I think he, what was he a sophomore, junior? Either way, he, uh, slot for him is one point seven eight million. They should be going under that, even if they save a half million on that. And then uh, Harrington, I think they probably go under slot, even if they only go to like two million or something like that. It's a two point one five slot, and then all of those savings can be thrown at you know grabbing Porter or Smith, who like. Both have such great stuff. If they don't do that, if they continue with the college pitcher route, I'm thinking Jonathan Cannon, right-handed pitcher out of Georgia. He was in Cape Cod last year, had a strong start there. He's got 92 to 96 stats. He's got good control, only 12 walks and 13 starts, 6-6. It's a similar build to these other guys that they're looking at. So I'm between him or like trying to get Porter or Smith or they'll, you know, grab someone else that we've never heard of. Cause I, I didn't hear about Harrington or, uh, Oh my God. I keep forgetting his name. That's how great it's going. Barco, Harrington <laughs> and Barco before today. Yeah. I, I don't know. Ho- hopefully, hopefully they can get one of those prep guys. Yeah. And slot for the college pick- route. Yeah, slot sure for the pick is, is still uh, 770000 So they they certainly have some wiggle room with this. And uh, and we've got a ton of picks still left. But um, this is where I'd like to see them make the move and get some talented players who can help the team long term. Yeah. Uh, t- two other college pitchers that are still available are Tristan Vreeling, Vreeling out of Gonzaga, right-handed pitcher. Uh, 6'4", righty, has a strong strong four-pitch repertoire, can uh, get his fastball up to the mid-to-upper 90s, does have a little bit of control issue. Yeah, and that's why I was staying away from reeling, because it seems like they're going more on the control side. And then there's also a lefty out of Florida State, Bryce Hubbard. Yeah, possible they go with him on the later side. It, I think he's a senior. Which would save a ton of money because he's got no other options, basically. Yeah. Well, go to independent ball and then get drafted third, uh, which I, I wanted to talk about that quick. So, third overall pick this this draft, Kumar Rocker. I Like – Everybody, all the analysts tonight were surprised by that because we were looking at Texas and saying, okay, are they going to take Elijah Green? Are they going to go with, um, like, Collier? Yeah, uh, Barry. And then they went and took – last year they took uh, Jack Leader out of Vanderbilt. And now this year with their first-round pick, they took Kumar Rocker, his pitching partner. So – I mean, interesting that they went that route, but 
Yeah, I mean, awesome. Rocker w- at the start of last last season was a potential number one draft, number one overall draft pick. Yeah, concerned about Did his drop arm. a little, drop a little bit to ten, which okay, with the shoulder issue that he had, you would expect some of his uh, his stuff to drop off. So, I mean, I guess it was an awesome move by him to do the independent ball thing. It worked out for him. He pitched really well in there, and then he presented his medicals uh, last week or whenever it was. And I guess it was good enough that the Rangers decided to go with them. I don't know if they consulted with leader leading up to that, but um, no surprising. Now the Mets got compensation pick at 11, parlayed that into Kevin Parada, who was someone else I thought that Texas would take. Catcher out of Georgia Tech. Um, I was surprised that Collier, Cam Collier fell to 18. The Reds took him. Uh, he was ranked eighth. I thought he could end up going you know, top five. He was someone I thought the Pirates might want to target. Like, he's young. He's only 17, but Chipola College, it's a good baseball system there, and they really churn out quality guys that, that succeed in the major league. So, um, yeah, that was a surprise he dropped so low. So, he was one of the, I, I think he was I the last like we were... top 10 ranked guy to get picked. We were texting texting back and forth like the entire draft leading up to that point. Like, oh, he's going to go here. He's going to go here. Yeah, we were really good at predicting the guys that weren't going to get picked. Oh, yeah. So, um, other ones that were kind of weird. The Red Sox taking Mikey Romero at 24. High school shortstop. Kind of felt like, like he was ranked 65. There were other shortstops who I thought maybe profiled better there out of Orange Lutheran High School which is another high school that churns out talented baseball players Um, I'd say Kate Horton going at 7 was a a shock for me yeah Tubbs taking Kate Horton when there was Brooks Lee still available there was um, well let's see they took a pitcher Plenty of other pitchers there. I guess they just really believed in Horton. I don't know why. Well, who knows? It's hard to really evaluate the draft at this point. Basically, it's going to be something where five years from now, we can look back and say, like, who did this right or who did it wrong? So, I mean, Holiday and Jones, we pretty much knew we're going to go one-two. Diamondbacks were really high on Jones. I, I mean, it was hard to and say. we everybody else. <laughs> yeah. But they were, as soon as he fell, they were like, all right, we, we got him. We're taking him. We're taking him right now. Um, and while the Orioles were on the clock, Tamar Johnson was getting a call. I don't know if it was from the Pirates or from the Orioles, just like, hey, just letting you know, we're taking holiday. But I remember you texted me and said, like, oh, it could be Johnson going to the O's. Uh, I think Holiday's going to do really well. Um, I think Jones is going to be an all-star. Rocker, who knows? But Johnson, it's such great hit tools. I'm glad we went with him over, like, Elijah Green. who He's got, like, a great ceiling. But, I don't know. There's a lot of swing and miss stuff. Johnson doesn't really have that. I feel like he's just got the best 
back control in the class. I would have been fine with Brooks Lee. I think he's a really talented player, but um, with what was available, I feel like Johnson was probably the best pick. Yeah, I agree. So I don't know if I feel that way with 36 and 44 picks, but as long as there's a plan that we're going to be parlaying that, like Connor Prelip was still available from Alabama. If you wanted to get a college pitcher, um, who else was still out there? Parker Messick. He was still available. He seems like an interesting choice, but like I said, we'll see. It, you, you can't you can't evaluate it now. It's just kind of what it is. So we'll be staying up late. Well, it's an afternoon draft tomorrow, which is when the this podcast will be coming out. So I'll be typing up my notes constantly with uh, rounds. Let's see, three through ten, and then we've got eleven through twenty on Tuesday. So be covering that but let's jump into the Sargil stars for this past week offensive player fresh off the injured list jake marisnik came off the aisle and just caught fire slugged uh four doubles and two home runs to the tune of a 1.244 ops on the week plays above average defense to boot possibly gets dealt next month but he's a solid fourth outfielder great in a spot has been able to take over center field in reynolds absence and uh, the bat's been playing, so that's great. Starting pitcher, I've got Mitch Keller here. Over two games, Keller pitched 13 innings, 10 hits, only one earned run with 11 strikeouts. Considering that he was in the bullpen only two months ago, he's really turned things around, shown why he had that top prospect pedigree. Hopefully he can continue this momentum into the second half of the season. JT Brubaker also had a solid start this week, going seven shutout innings, three hits, two walks, nine strikeouts. Really happy to see how both of these two guys have developed turning around what was otherwise ugly starts to their careers. And then for the bullpen, Sargil star of the week, Chase DeYoung went on the aisle today as Bryce Wilson was called up to start. But over the last week, three innings pitch and three games allowed three hits, two walks, striking at one. He's been a completely different pitcher out of the pen this year, much better than he was as a starter last season. Excuse me. Happy to see this uh, turnaround uh, in 22. Ed, any thoughts on the stars for this week? No, I, I agree with all three of your stars this week. One of those rare moments where I don't have a rebuttal. <laughs> Probably because I didn't have Stratton in. <laughs> yes. That helps your case uh, not having Stratton in there. Now, we don't have much with the look ahead starting the All-Star break tomorrow. I believe all of the minor league affiliates are also off until at least Friday. So not going to be too much going on. Uh Back this Friday at home versus the Marlins. Starters, TBD. I'm assuming we're going to see Alcantara this weekend. So, um, but, you know, we'll be reviewing that next week. Ed is out for next Sunday's recording. You'll be missing the (laughs) recapping of 17 draft picks. So I'm going to put that all on Steve, who will be filling in for you. (laughs) But, uh (laughs) should be fun you enjoy your vacation that wraps it up for us here at the 412 double play podcast i am michael castrogano you can follow me on twitter at 412 double play follow ed at ed underscore wasso continue listening to us on spotify and apple podcast from all of us here at the 412 double play podcast thank you for joining us and let's go bucks let's go bucks